0: okay so this is the 51st episode of this amazing program i'm recording this right after the last one the the bug got to me you know i got beaten by the bug i got beat by the bug man so let's just um generate this crap again not crap no i shouldn't say crap Should have more respect to the records because I I didn't make any of them, so I should respect them. All right, got the number here, so let's just get just get it done. Okay. Luckily, I'm able to speak about this album. I think in length because it's one of my favorite artists. Uh, I've seen it live. I'm very proud to say that I've seen this guy playing live and many of the of the tracks that he played on the the show was were from uh Forever Forever Go. Listen to it at work today actually. The um, what what was the what's the, um, what's the name of the track that he actually says Forever Forever Go? Ba- da 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 ba- I don't know. It's it's one of them. It it might be even like the the like the, the, the track title, right? So I've explained my relationship a little bit with within the episode uh, that I spoke about uh, Volcano Choir. Um, this album here, much talked about, very very famous, uh, very interesting case of how things uh, float within pop music sometimes. You know, sometimes the most uh, earnest and the most um, strange of approaches. And, you know, the, the thing that relies the most on the realist singer-songwriting outcome is the thing that sometimes get like, a lot of attention and obviously there was not much option for Justin Vernon as an artist after this than to just be completely away from whatever this album um, was, right? I don't, I think this is a kind of like, how can you say this? It's, it's a sort of like a black cheap in his discography somewhat even though it's his most vulnerable and most real album I think that if if you get, if you have a listen to his first, like before, like the the D D R Yarmon Edison record, there are many, many ideas there that speak to his later albums than things that are in in Forema. Um, Like this this sort of sonic cacophony and like the way that he treats his vocals as well on that early, early album it's it speaks much more to the to the latest uh, like i i i and the twenty two A um albums uh they they do follow that suit instead of forema necessarily because forema it's so it's a wintry very 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 dense and very very bleak sometimes uh folk Record very slow, very, very emotional. Um, uh, very, very informed by many personal and professional uh disasters that were in and in, in health related, also, uh, disasters. Um, uh, in his life. So, uh, what I know about the album, let me drink some water. Let's bring back water time, yeah. This is the uh, it's kind of like a, I put a pause into that tradition of drinking water when recording. So I'm, I'm taking that back. So what I know about the album is he had just broken up both of his band. He, he is Justin Vernon, right? The, the, the lead man there, Bonnie Vernon himself. He had broken up with the band that I mentioned before, that the first album, um, and he had broken up with his girlfriend as well, probably fiance, but probably girlfriend. So his dad had a cabin at in the north of Wisconsin, I think. Because he's he's a Midwestern, I think. So he when he saw all the destruction there, all of this, the, this rupture, right? Not destruction. When he saw, like, the whole tapestry of his life essentially gone, or maybe gray and dead, you know? he saw He saw the opportunity of just going to a remote location and working on some songs in there. So he probably had, like, food for just a couple weeks right and I think he spent like three or four weeks in there with the two channel recording equipment a guitar obviously probably a piano as well and just worked the songs like the composition the compositional state of the songs and he just developed uh, most of this album uh, in the environment in the middle of the winter, in 2006, I believe. Because the first, uh, the the Jarman uh, album is 2005, so the band broke up from 2005 to 2006, he did that in 2006, and then the album was released at the end of 2007, beginning of 2008, maybe beginning of 2008. So to great su- success, right? Because he, he has, like, a Skinny Love is the biggest hit that he'll ever have, and it's a beautiful song in many, many ways. It's probably the... the Along with Lover, You Should Have Come Over, it's probably m- one of my favorite love-related songs ever, I would probably say. he has, obviously, uh, different styles there from Jeff Buckley, it's totally different uh, sensibilities, but, yeah, they both tap into into many, many real and interesting aspects of longing for love or, you know, moaning of, of loss of love or just looking at how skinny love, how skinny your love can be, you know, or how skinny someone else, someone else's love for you can be as well, which is a very... Uh, and lover, you should come over, it's obvious, right? Because you're just longing for the person to be there. A kingdom for a kiss and pour her shoulder, that sort of thing, you know? Sort of thing that men fucking do a lot, which is want girls. Okay, so, and and then after that, he... he Had his masters, you know, with with him, and eventually got together with Sean Carey and all everyone that played on that album, and got the instrumentation a little bit more uh, punched up, a little bit bulked up, you know, elevated the album um, a lot. Because I believe it would be a very stripped down and kind of you know not not very very pleasant album to hear. If he didn't have like the 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 very intelligent like um, brass instrumentation that he has like the 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 way that the drums behave as well is very interesting, like the whole different side of harmonies that he would develop further on his two thousand and eleven album like the the whole um, playing with different uh, call and responses from from the instruments and coming from different places, like the whole technical sort of part of the of the job. that in that album, it didn't have much space to be developed. I think he developed that much further uh, sonically. Uh, vocally, it's like the falsetto, the falsetto thing that, that he does. I don't think there is much of his normal singing voice, like his um he has a very deep voice right? just in himself when he speaks very very raspy and, and, and baritone voice and he does the falsetto which I'm not uh, gonna try to imitate here even though I always I, I'm always very tempted to that sort of thing you know uh, see I did it okay temptation the temptation one I okay so this album is pretty much the first time in my life that I ever listened to something so interesting so vulnerable and that it got released at a time where I remember being released and I wasn't like snobbish about music as well So the novelty of it was, because nowadays you just, oh, like, I don't know, whoever, you know, Phoebe Bridges releases something which is very powerful and emotional and and vulnerable and sad. But you kind of know already a bunch of stuff with the same sensibility, like Elliot Smith and Nick, Nick Drake and Jeff Buckley himself and Bon Iver himself. So it's not that you take for granted that such an album like Punisher or, you know, Stranger in the Alps, it's it's being, like, uh, released in front of you, but it, it's not such a... It's like seeing uh, fucking Dragon Ball Z for the first time, you know? It's like seeing, like, name it, like a game that you played, like Golden GoldenEye or Pokemon uh, Gold or whatever, you know? And I remember having that feeling when the, when I first listened to this album, and it was kind of oblique when I when I first listened to it. I don't remember besides Skinny Love and maybe Restacks, which are the most like straightforward, the two most straightforward cuts from that album. Song song wise, right, they, they are more explicit in what they're dealing with, especially Skinny Love, which doesn't have like the whole cryptic. Cryptic language that that Justin uses for the most part, which is very good and very well. I think he does that to a masterful extent in every single thing that he does. Right, his lyricism is just—I think—is like the more the more complicated, the better. Right, if you can do it simple in a simple way, that's good. Do it that way, but he is his style. But Skinny Love is like his attempt of doing something that I don't know, maybe a more normal singer songwriter would do. You know, something like uh well I can probably say Nick Drake. It's it's just that style, right? Just that style of folk singer songwriter sort of thing. Um So I I remembering I oh Jesus, what the hell was that? Sorry, I need to drink water again. I remember being being really challenged by this album, and my my whole understanding of it it's kind of like taking like the virginity out of someone. You know, you just on the next one you're not gonna feel so much. You know, not not that I was ever on the receiving end of the of the act that's being described, but um, I can probably understand that when something really knocks you down the next one won't have the same the same impact again, you know? You kind of get used to it, you kind of get molded by that, and this album was sort of what molded me. It's like when people, you you hear like, uh, when people hear the Pixies for the first time, you kind of see alternative rock in a different way, right? Especially if you're living uh, at that time, the, the Pixies were like uh, on their you know, still doing shows and still being, like, played on radio and that sort of thing, even though they didn't have much mainstream success, but you know what I mean, right? It's one of the, it's, for me, for Emma, forever go. it's one of the defining things that I always had as a record with me. Not surprisingly enough, I cried, like, as a fucking baby, you know, when he played uh, Skinny Love and when he, when he played restacks at the show, I was expecting to hear For Emma the most with the uh, on the on the show that I that I watched on uh, in December. I believe it was December. Oh no, it wasn't December. It was February. Um, so because every single heartbreak that I have experienced. Because it was right, you know, two thousand eight. I was seventeen. I only ever met like someone really significant on two thousand twelve, and like my first heartbreak. And I and I tr- I have a vivid memory of me like being really brokenhearted at that time. Because that was, you know, that's what you when you just a idiot, you just get brokenhearted, right? That's what happens. And I, I was always there, <laughs> to no exception uh, to this day. So I remember, like tearing up, listening to to restacks, which is the last, which is the last track, I think, one of the last ones, because um, the imagery there is such a, it's such an imagery of loneliness and just okay, I, I don't have anyone, you know. And you just watch things and you've kind of described things, the, the things that you're watching to yourself, like just the way that he describes the the um, the, the crow that is dangling dangling the the, the 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 keys and even fakes a toss. You know, that's that is the sort of poetic imagery that always got to me. And as I got older that album spoke spoke to me even more and more and more and more. You know, um, I shy away a little bit from it nowadays because I think it packs such an impactful punch. You know, emotionally speaking, I'm not sure if I'm necessarily one to revisit. Like that's the state of mind that I usually get when I when I really dive deep into this album. But yes, it is It is all there. It's a great, simple, stripped-back, debut album from a project, from an artist, that offers a lot. And he, I, I believe that he will always offer a lot. Because nowadays, I would probably say that he's one of the best alive. In my opinion, is one of my favorite artists alive, and that's been the case ever since I got my hands into this album in two thousand eight and yeah, he did and it's it's funny how much does a record like this like truly help you know? I, 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 sometimes I, I wonder like wallowing I guess it depends if you wallow in self-pity that's never like truly truly helpful because there is no not a path forward there at all but you feel really disappointed with something and there's really not much that you can do you know what what should you do I think it's actually good to just involve yourself in that sadness to truly see whether that sadness is like truly real or not and if it is it's fine you know there are no bad emotions there are just bad reactions to emotions the emotion of feeling disappointed like it's not something that you want to live in forever but it's also not something that you want to ignore or maybe push down and just wait for it to just blow up right and lots of lots of records them deal with that sort of thing if they are well made they also kind of automatically offer a a way out for you as well which this one does and it's it's biggest um advantage right It d- it does of uh you see the light coming in you see the light coming in with pink boom as well which is like f- it's a un- ancestor of this of this album you know if if, if you could trace like what influence forever, uh, forever forever ago the most was pink boom right and probably some 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 albums from Leonard Cohen as well, especially songs of love and hate. But that's s- something else. That's another that's another whole other thing. But Pink Moon and Forever Forever Go are both albums that you know they kind of mirror one another. Not necessarily mirror, but one is the one is the predecessor. One is the grandfather, and the other one is the grand the grandson. You know. And, in my opinion, getting, like, the fully-fledged aspect of a very specific feeling of rejection, maybe, or disappointment of, like, oh, God, I wish it wasn't that way sort of thing, you know? Or what if we actually... We actually stay together. What if we actually had a uh, it, which is the the point of view from the person being rejected, which is always the point of view which which makes any music out of anything right Which artists ever made a song about someone that they dumped uh, I don't think it, is it, is is there anyone that ever did that? I'm not sure <coughs> I dumped that bitch. blah ba. you know it's not possible you know (coughs) so of course you're going to have the the fully fledged version of those of those feelings and I think it's interesting to see like in a horror movie uh, what's interesting in a horror movie to see like the fully fledged version of what horror is and what violence is and what psychopathy is and what obsession is and sexual compulsion and that sort of thing It's interesting to know those things, right? Of course, then not with the same, uh, or at least with the with the different uh, s- with the different seasoning, right? With the different perfume, you have with the with the romantic desolation, also an exploration of those same same aspects of life, those same extreme. And negative aspects of life, because that in that way you 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 can probably know what you run from and what you expect when the actual light comes comes out or maybe comes in, right? And I think that record produces that very beautifully, and I think it's an example of. How to do that with with simplicity and how to do that with concision and look at the amount of success that Justin Vernon had you know with with um with skinny love essentially which is the most most famous song and it's a big big hit right if you think about it and it's a sad song bro it's so sad. You know? Come on, skinny love, just last a year. You know that's uh, I felt like that so many times. You know, I'm basically all this like kind of sums up my my love life. You know that track because I'm just you know b- up until now I'm very 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 proficient in producing skinny loves very very skinny loves that don't last <laughs> two months <laughs> but that's fine if it didn't last more than 2 months it wasn't love you know so that's it that really doesn't matter and i'm not saying anything specific about anyone but it's just i know i'm i'm the common denominator enough that that happens Because I do something that makes that happen. But yeah, very accomplished singer songwriter. After that, all around like you know Taylor Swift and that sort of thing. Fine, I'm I'm happy with with the guy. I think that the work that he that he did, with uh, is very 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 beautiful, especially the the. The song of out of folklore. It's a really good song. Um, exile, right? Yeah. Anyway, Frame bon forever, forever go. Very, very fundamental album in my in my autobiography here. Auto discography, actually, not biography. And yeah, if you never heard of it, give it some time. It's probably not so novel to you, ever, you know, because that's a very influential album, influential album as well. Basically, when artists go, you know, oh, I'm gonna go like super personal now, like Taylor Swift did. Taylor Swift essentially did what Justin did with this album, right? she's essentially copying uh like the the whole uh, she went to the cabin she went to the literal cabin like uh aaron destner uh the guitarist for the national he has like a like a recording studio which is a cabin it's in, on the cover of uh of the nationals album as well that's that that's that place their house is the Sleep well beast cover so the special that she recorded it's recorded there so i don't remember the name of the place but anyway uh the big pond yeah the big pond so she was basically copying that sort of thing which is a it's it's an album brewed in isolation and in sadness which is what happened to her and everyone in 2020 right so or or maybe Evermore was was there maybe m- maybe folklore was was before there which I don't think it was I think it was a pandemic album from the beginning yeah and that's it that's it I don't I don't really have anything else to say about this album um only that it's highly influential with me um every it's kind of like a red flag right every time every time i i become kind of obsessed with it again i said oh what's going on right what you what you what you said about motherfucker you know kind of sort of thing who got you this time felipe i say to myself you know who 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 broke your heart now man come on If your heart gets broken every time, you know, does it really get broken, you know? Is that really the case? Maybe it is, I don't know. Or maybe I just like to think that because I like to relate to those albums, you know, more and more, especially this one and Pink Moon as well, which are the two go-to I'm albums, you know? Yes, that's it. Listen to it; you're gonna receive a very nice blend of folk and personal, very deep singer-songwriting capacity, very abstract and very cryptic lyrics as well. And it's the most human, I think, Bonivere is gonna ever be, which is good because he's more robotic and and. Weird sort of side and s- experimental sort of side is very interesting as well. And and when the humanity shines through those those albums, it is very very good. Especially on the on the his last one, which is turning like almost five years old now. Please just release a new album, okay, Justin? If you're listening to this, all right. Thank you.